0: You're listening to the Cornerstone Word of Life Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this teaching from Pastor Mark. For more information on our church, please visit cwol.org. James chapter two. So we're talking about real faith. Uh, We started this a long, long time ago. And when are we going to end it? I guess when we're done. And so we're talking about real faith. And so remember what the apostle Paul said, the unfeigned faith that was in your mother Eunice and your grandmother Lois. And so if there's unfeigned faith, then there's feigned faith. And so unfeigned faith is real faith. Feigned faith is fake faith. And a lot of times uh, in in our circle, you know, they call us uh, the faith circle or a faith movement. This is not a movement. (laughs) A movement without faith is impossible to please God. Faith towards God. I mentioned Hebrews 6, Hebrews 5 running into 6 talks about the foundational doctrines of Christ. Uh, Faith towards God is a foundational. If faith is not a movement, it's a foundational doctrine. It's not a movement. I know God emphasized it through certain people, but it's not a movement. It's not, if you think it's a movement, then movements come and go. It's not a movement. And so we look at things and, you know, it's just like everything have people, could people get off in some areas? They can, you can get off in some things, but if we stick with the word, we won't get off. Amen. So that's what we're doing. So we're learning how many know God wants you to receive, And one of the things about faith, and I tell myself all the time, because we're sitting in this building, and this building really uh, shook me a little bit when we were trying to get from the A-frame to here. It got too big for me. Um, And how many know God already knew that it was too big for me? Anything God asks you to do is too big for you, because if it's not too big for you, then you can take the credit. But, you know, so I tell this story on myself all the time. You know, the Lord had to ask me because I was I, what I call straining a gut. Y'all know what I mean by straining a gut? I was believing my guts out. Well, I don't think that's scriptural. I was, people say, I was just believing my guts out. Well, your guts don't need to come out. You need to keep them. Hallelujah. I, and so I was just believing, you know, really what I was doing, we'll just tell the truth. I was worrying, yeah. I was fretting, I wasn't resting. And what God had said, it, it, it became uh, too much for me. And so I was praying about it. And so the Holy Ghost, aren't you glad he's your helper? Yes. So he said to me, he said, uh, the Holy Ghost said, not I didn't hear an audible voice. I just kind of had an inward knowing, God speaking to your heart. He said to me, does your faith move me? And I was like, yeah, I've, I mean, uh, praise God. I knew the answer to that one. Yes, Lord, my faith moves me. And then he said, moves you, doesn't move me, moves you, because I need you to move my faith. Because I was thinking, he was saying, yeah, and your faith, I was, I was expecting, yes, your faith does move me. I've already been moved. Glory to God to you. Anyway, but I was expecting something like that. But what did he say to me? He said, I don't need your faith to move me. I don't need your faith to move me. Your faith doesn't move God. Your faith doesn't force God to give you an answer. Well, yes, it does. No, it doesn't. You don't have to move someone who's already been moved. Everything you need is finished. Yes, yes. Amen. It's a finished work. Yes, that's right. It's done. Yes. It's, that'd be like you saying, you know, and you've seen it before. Have you seen people before? God, I just need you to save me. I mean, you could cry morning, noon, and night for two weeks, begging God to save you. And if you or I came by who understand some things, we would tap that person on the shoulder and say, you don't got to beg him. Just receive him. Back in the day of early Pentecost, people used to beg God to fill them with the Holy Ghost. They used to tarry. Some people would yell at him, hold on. Others would yell, turn loose. (laughs) Repeat after me, Shandai, Hyundai, who stole my bow tie? You know, whatever. (laughs) Say, you know. But when we understand that everything's by faith, you receive salvation by faith. You receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues by faith. You receive healing by faith. You receive finances by faith. You receive peace by faith. You receive joy by faith. Everything is in proportion to your faith. And so... So we're learning some things. And what did we learn? Well, we learned that faith comes by hearing. A rema Christos. A word from the word. An anointed word. We talked about our soil. You know, out of the abundance of your heart. Your mouth is speaking, but whatever is in abundance of your heart. You know, there's a good soil that produces 30, 60, and 100 fold. Yet, I believe most Christians hang out in soil number three. They know what the word says. Yet, the cares of this world... Listen to me, even at Cornerstone, the deceitfulness of riches or the love of money or making decisions based on money choke the word of God and it never comes to full fruit, right? But you and I are, we're we're being good. It's more than a confession, you have to do it. But go ahead, let's confess that I'm good soil. And so what are you producing? Some 30, some 60. People ask all the time, do you believe? Do you believe in a hundredfold? I believe in a thousandfold. I grew up on a corn farm. I know that that one seed can produce a thousand so kernels of corn. And that's what God meant. But you see, it's so up to, uh, and then we talked about, remember, we talked about words. I spent five hours talking to you about confession and profession. We looked at it different things. We looked at uh, confession for meditation, uh, 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 a confession that is, um, um, builds your faith. You know, you're not there yet, but it's building your faith. You're meditating. We talked about a confession of faith, which is different than a confession unto faith. You're building yourself up. You're meditating. Like James says, meditate. And part of meditate is to mutter, to speak. So you're meditating. There's a confession of faith. Then we talked about how the word of God, we talked about declaring and decreeing. We talked about using your authority with your words, right? We we talked about, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, your whole life is steered by your tongue. So there's all kinds. Jesus is the high priest of your profession, right? And so how many you know words are important? You know, people sometimes they criticize and they say, well, you're part of that name it and claim it bunch. You know, and I've heard a lot of people say, well, then doubt it and do without it. But I'm not going to say that. Because I would say that um, if you're being critical, who are you being critical of? Because Jesus is the one that said in Mark 11, whosoever shall say unto a mountain. Uh Right? And he'll have what he says. And if Jesus is the high priest of your profession, that means words are important to God. That's what God created all this with. By faith, we understand that everything we see was created with the word of God. And the word of God never returns void. So so don't let critics sway you there. You need to keep speaking the word. You need to keep speaking the word. Now, in our circles, though, I really believe we need a good dose of what I've been teaching you. So let's look at James chapter 2, and I'm going to use the New Century version, verses 14 through 17. I hope they got it for me. If not, I'm going to have to get my phone. James chapter 2, verse 14, the New Century. Knock, knock. Is anybody home? Uh, you got my phone. James chapter 2, verse 14. There we go. My brothers and sisters, everybody say he's talking to me. He's talking to me. If people say they have faith but do nothing. Their faith is worth nothing. Can faith like that save them? And the implied answer is no. Let's do it again. Say he's talking, to me. he's talking to me. My brothers and sisters, if people say they have faith but do nothing, their faith is worth nothing. Everybody say it this way. Say faith that does nothing, that does nothing, is, worth nothing. is worth nothing. That's what the Bible says. The King James is a little different, but that's what the Bible says. Verse 15. It says a brother or sister in Christ might need clothes or food. So then this is a what? This is an example, an illustration. This is not the, this is what faith is. This is, this is saying, this, this, is, this is an example of faith that just says something and does nothing is worthless. How I many you know, uh, just before we go on, a poor pe- person um, or if somebody needs something, if all we do is say, God bless you, or let's do it this way. Somebody comes to me. Oh, let's read it. A brother or sister in Christ might need clothes or food. Verse 16. If you say to that person, God be with you. I hope you stay warm and get plenty to eat. But you don't give that person what that person needs. Your words are worth nothing. Worth nothing. Worth nothing. nothing. Because they need food. And they need clothes. And if you said to them, I'll agree with you in prayer. Oh. Or you just confess over them, be warm. Verse 17. In the same way. In the what way? Same, way? same way. Faith by itself that does nothing is dead. Now, I didn't say to you, because this is the deal. Sometimes people hear this, and so they begin to do corresponding actions. But remember, are y'all with me? I know you are. So Ollie gets to be Jesus. I'm so glad he's up here. And Nadra says, he's a good Jesus. Hallelujah. But you remember the one with the issue of blood? Mm -hmm. She touched him because she said, they're saying again, within herself. Listen, Jesus didn't hear at that time. The people didn't hear, but God heard her. And, her, and this is what she said. If I can but touch him, I'll be made whole. And so her belief that she got from someone saying what Jesus did, because she had to hear that if you touch him, power comes out of him. Mm-hmm. And she had, that, she had to start saying to herself, you know what? I'm going to find him. How mm-hmm. I many you know? Well, you don't have to find him anymore. He's easily found. He's seated at the right hand of God, and he lives in you. Yes. Amen. Amen. You don't have to wait for him to go, go by. No, no need to sing kumbaya. We know where he's at. He's in us if you're born again. But she said something. Now, others heard the same thing. Why do I know? Because when she touched him, virtue or power went out of him. But Jesus said, who touched me? Why did he say, who touched me? Because he didn't know who touched him. But, every, but the, And that's why the disciples say, what? Everybody's touching you. Why? Because some people were trying to act without any faith. They were trying to prove to Jesus they had faith. She wasn't there to prove nothing to nobody. She had faith, so she did something, so she got something. In our circles, what I see a lot of people do, and I was guilty of it myself, I was going to prove to the Lord that I believed something. And when I proved to him that I believed something, I was obligating him to do something but that is not how faith works that is another just form of religion trying to push a button and pull a lever and make God do something and in our circles right now the generation that is I think the reason that some younger people are having trouble receiving from God is because they saw, they had too much theory taught at them with faith they had too many push this button pull this lever and then God will do that and it's got to be a heart thing because faith is of the heart and it has to be, it has to be real to you. You can't live on your mama's faith because, listen, he told Timothy, I see the same faith in you that was in your mama and in your grandmama, but it's got to still be in him. You can't operate on my faith. You can't receive on my faith. I can help you when the gifts of the spirit are flowing, when things are flowing, but everybody's got to have a revelation for themselves. And this works for everybody. This works for everybody. And so God's trying to get us some things because it's your due season. He wants you to reap some things. He wants you to walk in some things. And he just wants to make sure we all got it. And, And you know what? It is so easy in our circles In this church, to fall in the trap of just doing something. Now, how many know you can always do the Word of God? Are you supposed to do the Word of God? No question. You see tithing? I do it. You see offerings? I do it. You see walking in love? Even if I don't want to, I do it. Do that one by faith. Hallelujah. We do do the Word. We do the Word. We do the work. That's what James says. Be doers of the Word. Be doers of the work. Not just doers of the word, doer of the word, doer of the work. Amen. We do it. We do what God said. We're doers. Everybody say, I'm a, doer. I'm a doer. And so with that, though, can you see that corresponding actions, I'm not doing something to prove something to God. I'm doing something because I believe something. Because they tr- and, and I'm not doing it to try something to get God to move. I'm doing it because I believe something. Yeah. The woman with the issue of blood, who we're going to look at again later, but what happened was she heard something, she believed something, she said something, she did something. Others who touched Jesus heard something, somewhat believed, they believed something. They believed it was of a truth and they tried something because everybody else who got results did something. Testimonies are great. They'll inspire you. But you can't just copy them. It has to be real to you. It has to be real. Are you all with me? I'm stirred up about this because I know this little bit of reminder. This is a reminder from the Holy Ghost broadcast system. And just a little reminder will help you. Hallelujah. So faith that does nothing is. It's it's dead. It's worth nothing. Everybody say faith that does nothing. is worth nothing hallelujah and so remember um we we left off i don't know where we left off but here's where we're going to start we're going to start in second kings and i don't remember how far we got um i remember i hurried up just like i'm probably gonna have to do tonight because y'all i just like hanging out with y'all Oh, I remember the last time I was here. Pastor Rhonda was back in children's ministry, and I kept you like 10 or something. Because she was back there, and I knew it was all going to be all right. All right, 2 Kings 17. 2 Kings 17. Here we've got Elijah. Um, there's, a, there's a drought going on. Things are bad. And uh, uh, that's wrong. 1 Kings 17, right? Is it 1 Kings 17? Did I actually, yeah, yeah, 1 Kings 17, not 2 Kings, 1 Kings, 1 Kings 17. All right, so here's Elijah. We've got two things here, and I want you to see that even when, so remember what we talked about, that we, we put these in three categories, really four. Four, just number one, being a doer of the word, right? You just got to do the word. How many you know you do the word? You don't have to question the word, you just do the word. If it's written, you do it. I said, if it's written, you do it. Say it again, I'm a doer. I'm a doer. Number two, we saw that uh, things to do were instigated by the gifts of the spirit. Jesus said to the man with the withered hand, what did he say to him? He, first he said, stand up. Right? Stand up, come forth. And then what did he say? So he had to, do, for, he had to stand up. There's nothing past stand up if you won't stand up. There's nothing past stand up if you won't stand up. Well, I just prefer to sit down. The Lord told you stand up. So what better you do? Well, if you want his help, you better stand up. In our modern society, I don't know where we've gotten off thinking that we can boss God around or that he will do it our way. Well, I'm just not comfortable with that. He didn't ask you if you were comfortable. He said, stand up. And then right. Y'all good. Come on. This is the hardcore bunch. You ready? You, are you ready for this? I, I heard you go quiet. When pastor Blenda was talking, I said, like, they're really going to be quiet when I get up. <laughs> they're really going to go quiet on me. But so stand up, come forth. And then what did he do? He told him to do something he couldn't do. We always want the Lord to tell us something we can do. But he told him something he couldn't do. You know, and it's, life would be so much easier if just the Lord would tell us what we can do. I could do that. He didn't ask you what you can do. Because, again, you take all the credit. And he didn't argue with him. Well, Lord, I can't do that. Ask me something I can do. No, he said, stretch forth your hand. And he didn't move his elbow. That's right. Stretch forth your hand. That's not your hand. You got to do something you can't do. And then when he did, what happened? Power of God came yes. and he was healed. The other kind is what we're looking at. God initiated. Mm-hmm. In other words, God, Jesus, or the Holy Ghost told someone to do something. And then the next one we'll look at, obviously not tonight. It is in my notes to get to tonight, but we're not going to get there. We talk about the one like the woman with the issue of blood was her side initiated. It wasn't initiated by God. Her faith initiated in action. And so now we're talking about, we're talking about the third one where God initiated. And so here in first Kings 17, God initiated this. He said in verse three, it says, the word of the Lord came in to say in verse two, verse three, get, get hints, turn eastward, hide yourself in the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. So he gave the, uh, he gave him an action in the middle of a famine, in the middle of, of people looking for him, I guess uh, he, he gave him an action. He told him a specific place to go. Specific. How I many of you know? Now listen, people say this all the time. Well, you know, God doesn't talk to me. Baloney. You are a sheep. You know his voice. Romans eight sixteen, that's John ten, three through five. Uh, you 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 are a son and a daughter of God. You are led by the Spirit of God. What most uh, believers and spirit-filled believers do especially is they ignore the Lord and hope he'll go away. Come on, I'm not, you all right? It's Wednesday, I'm helping you. I remember one time he was dealing with me really strong about something. So I got out my spiritual remote and changed the channel. It had to do with moving to Alabama. I may just tell you this since we're not going to get very far anyway. I have lived enough life. I've ministered long enough. I don't need Brother Hagin's stories anymore. I got all my own. Hallelujah. <laughs> and so that means I've been through a thing or two. We've been through a thing or two. So I was living in Illinois, having a wonderful time, living at home. Mom and dad paid everything. Mom still did the laundry, cooked the dinners. I, I was traveling on the weekend. I was having the time of my life. And the Lord interrupted me and he told me to move to Alabama. Number one, I thought I was in punishment. I thought I was in timeout. I didn't know why he wanted me to move to Alabama, but he is smarter than I am because he knew I would love this place. And I do love this place. It is the best place on planet Earth. And if you don't agree, just keep your mouth quiet because I believe it is the best place on planet Earth. It It is the best place. And so the Lord knew that for me. And so I was uh, traveling around. I was itinerating. I was getting ready to go to Peru to help lead a team from uh, a church in Mobile. And um, the Lord was dealing with me about starting a church in Alabama. And I was single. I had no money. It was Alabama. I didn't know anybody. I was single. I had no money. I was single. I had no money. No money. No people. Here's the church. Here's the steeple. Open it up. There is no people. (laughs) Nobody knew me. Nobody was glad I came. Nothing. But the Lord said. So I'll be real honest. For months, I fought him. He would talk about Alabama. It was supernatural. He told me about this place. But I couldn't figure it out. And since I can't figure it out, then I'm not going to talk about it. Now, I've grown up a lot since way back then. This is a long time ago. And so when the Lord dealt with me, every time I get in the prayer, because I have meetings all the time. I've got to, you know, I was kind of getting known for having Holy Ghost meetings. And you can't have Holy Ghost meetings without the anointing. You just can't. <laughs> I wasn't known as the sweet teacher. I was getting known as someone, you have him in, power of God falls. You can't have that without the anointing, without a plan from the Lord. So I'd go to talk about the next meeting, and he'd only want to talk about Alabama. And I'd go talk and start talking because I'm getting ready to go to Peru. And if you've been through our um, uh, next steps, you've heard this, but I just want to show you how this works. I would not be here today. You'd be in another church today. If I had not, I probably would have not married Rhonda. We may not have met. It would be awful. It would be awful. Life, God's life for you doesn't just happen anyway. You have to obey to get his highest and best. And so I tell this story. I'm not going to go into too much more detail, but man, I just couldn't see it. So I just kept getting my spiritual remote out and changing the channel. And let's talk about Alabama. I just, and so I'm getting ready to go to Peru and I'm about to minister in front of one of my favorite instructors from Bible school. And I'm the headline speaker. This young dude as the headline speaker of this conference, this crusade. And I'm the headline speaker. And I got to have something. But I just thought if I could outlast him, he would have to. Because I was young and stupid. I just thought if I just get stubborn and hold out because these are his people, he'll have to give me a message. He'll have to do it because these people are coming expecting. We went down to the, ooh, I was sitting on an airplane with nothing. You heard this, most of you have been through next steps. And if you haven't gone through, I hate to ruin your surprise, but you need to hear this now. Because everything in your life, of you could bosque, nah, tried to direct you if your steps are ordered. I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm trying to help you obey me, says the Lord. Come on, Ma, what would Mama Mary say? Just do it. Just whatever he says, just do it. And so I'll be real honest. I wasn't willing to just do it. I couldn't. It wasn't just flat out rebellion. It was fear. You want me to go to another place and I don't know anybody? And we're really doing good, Lord. (laughs) Lord. It takes some traveling ministers a long time to get what I got going on. And I'm young, and I'm having fun, and mom takes care of everything, and, Lord, I'm not married. And you can't pastor single. I told him everything, why not? But he wouldn't listen to me. Because God is smarter than I am. And he doesn't often change his mind, but he is good at repeating. So you know what I did? I just held out. I was forcing him. How young and stupid. I was going to force him. I got on a plane, getting ready to go to Peru. Nothing. Won't talk to me. You've heard the story. Sat in Nashville. At the airport, getting ready to go to Mobile. I'm getting ready to preach at a conference. The Lord told me to move here to start a church. I don't want to talk about it. Now he won't talk to me. He won't talk to me. That's a weird feeling. Listen to me. If God has told you to do something and you refuse to do it, and you want to talk to him about something else, even though you don't think it relates... There's a reason that you're not hearing him. you got to do what he says. Praise the Lord. He's merciful. He is kind. And he'll keep bringing it back around so that you can do the thing that he asks you to do. But you got to do it. He, he's not trying to hurt you. Go to the brook called Cherith. I don't want to go there. I want to go to the Tennessee River. There's, I have a buddy down there. I, I, I have a cabin over there. Lord, I'm I'm going to the Tennessee River. Bless me over at the Tennessee. There's no ravens flying to the Tennessee River. A lot of people miss out on their stuff because they're in the wrong place at the wrong time doing the wrong thing. God is not obligated. Because see, in our our word of faith, charismatic circles, I'm just going to get down where it is. Listen, Lord, you you said you'd bless everything I put my hand to. Is that the context of that? No, take it up to the top. It says, those that will hearken unto me. And I know we don't like this one in our circles, but James said, remember, said, because uh, remember, said that person said, well, I'm going to go to this city or that city and I'm going to buy and get, get gain for a year. And what did the Lord say? what is your life? That's not a funeral. That's not a funeral scripture. What is your life? What is he saying? You don't you don't get to direct your steps. He said what you ought to say. If the Lord will. Will live. That's not talking about dying. That's talking about where you live and what you do. We'll live and we will do this or do that. You ought to ask the Lord. You ought not just pick up everything and move. That's right, sir. Amen. You ought to ask the Lord if he's for it or against it. Amen. Sometimes he'll say, you decide. Then guess what? You get to decide. I'm going to go here and I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. So for me, my goodness. So I'm sitting in Nashville, and I, I, I disagree with fleeces. It, it, God is merciful and kind. I don't believe you should be led by, by outward things because that's very immature. But God is a God of mercy and kindness. And so I was sitting in the Nashville airport, and this is what I heard. Last call for Huntsville, Alabama. <laughs> and I did do it. I was sitting there. I said, all right, I'll go. And then I went to Peru, and I had, some, to this day, some of the best preaching I've ever done in my life. Because I had three months of, of buildup. <laughs> and he just let it all out. And I'll never forget it, the longest day I live. I'm sitting on an airport in the runway in Lima, Peru. And I sit down on my seat, and I said, Dear me, I have promised the Lord I'll move to Huntsville, Alabama. <laughs> and I went home and told everybody. And you know they were all excited. They threw me a party. No, they weren't excited. Nobody was excited. Not one. I heard all the reasons not to. You're single. Takes a lot of money to start a church. You don't got any people. We've already discussed that, me and him. You're not telling me nothing I don't know. But God. He went to the brook called Cherith, Ravens. I trust these days they'd have gloves on. They were delivering steak and bread, right? And then when that ran out, the Lord told him to go to the city of Zarephath, right? Right? And he said, I have commanded a widow woman to take. So what do he have to do? He couldn't say, Lord, I've made this nice abode here at the brook. I've got my nice little, little lean-to cabin here. I like it this way. Let's just keep them right. Ra- I just believe that I receive Ravens. I, I command you in the name of Jehovah. You keep you keep flying. You keep flying. Doesn't that sound right? That sounds like something we do, right? Y'all don't know but don't make nobody throw nothing. It sounds like what we I command you to fly again in Jesus name. But if the brook is dried up and the Lord said, move on, what best you do? Move on. Move on. That's right, your confession will not bring a possession That's right, when the Lord has told you something to do. That's, right, amen. That's why a lot of people's confession, they think they're confessing. They think they're confessing. But if you're not doing what the Lord told you to do about that certain situation, your confession will not change the direction of the Lord. It won't. I've done it. It's like beating your head on a brick. He said something. So what can you do? Trust him. What about that widow woman? Well, I've commanded a widow woman. So this, I tell everybody all the time, this is what I would do. I would get out, you know, the newspaper back in the day and I'd look and see who was recently widowed to a rich man I'd walk through the town, find the biggest house. Are you widowed? The Lord has commanded you to take care of me. Because that makes sense. Doesn't it make sense? I've commanded a widow, because you're thinking, well, you know, someone with money in the middle of this famine and this drought, they got to have something to take care of me. Because the Lord said, but you don't get to add to what the Lord said. He has commanded a widow woman to take care of you. Right? So he finds her. What This woman he found, her great confession of faith was, I'm about to make two cakes, one for me and my son, and then we're going to eat it and we're going to die. <laughs> so I, he don't even get a woman of faith, it seems like. <laughs> But she's a widow woman with a young child. But something happened because the Lord must have come on him and he said, Go make me a cake first. Them squirrely preachers always wanting to be first. How dare they have jets? Don't Don't you know those are only for movie stars, drug dealers. Praise the Lord. All right. Anyway, he said, go make me a cake. I was doing real good and kind of threw something out there. All right. Don't be mad at nobody's blessing. Hallelujah. He said, don't be afraid. Go make me a cake first. He commanded that something happened to her. This is a woman not of covenant. She sensed she knew something. Her heart was prepared. Because now I know this woman as a mama. I know a lot of mamas. And if some preacher is going to take my baby's cake, no, you cannot have my, no. No, this is for my child. Go somewhere else. This is for my child. But something, he commanded a widow woman. Something happened. She was ready or something because she did it. Because she did it. She had a corresponding action. I'm sure it messed with her mind. She did it. He had a corresponding. Faith that does nothing is worth nothing. And when God says do something, you got to do it. Well, we haven't even gotten past the last thing to get to the current thing. But um, let's look at Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. But I promise the Lord we're going to slow down. I don't know about you, but I'm loving every minute of this. I believe the Lord's helping me, getting me ready for something. Probably getting me ready for a big building. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 5, 1 through 8. So Jesus is teaching. Remember, Peter gives him his boat. So there's two ships. Uh, standing by the lake and the fishermen had gone out of them. They were washing their nets. So they were done for the night. So he's teaching during the day. He entered into one of the ships, which was Simon Peter's and he prayed him. They would thrust him out a little bit. So Jesus is teaching. So he sewed his boat and he's teaching and he taught the people out of the ship. Verse four. Now, when he had left speaking, mm-hmm. he said to Simon, so he'd been teaching. So how does faith come? So did Peter hear something? Yeah. He heard something. I wonder if it was something concerning provision. Because Jesus went about Luke chapter 4, verse 18. He said uh, he preached the good news to the poor. So in that, something something had to happen because of this. So he got done speaking. And then he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drought. And Simon answered, said to him, master, this don't make no sense. We've toiled all night. Preacher carpenter, non-fisher, and we've taken nothing. But something he heard said this, nevertheless, at your word, yes. I'll let down the net. Now, we in our circles make a big deal about the net versus nets. But, you know, we're all, we're all learning. This was Peter's first rodeo. This was Peter's first rodeo. And the Lord was merciful and kind. And so he, I believe he got him what he was going to get him anyway, just with one net instead of a bunch of nets. And he just had to, but I don't think he minded repairing that broken net. (laughs) Simon answered, said, never say, nevertheless, "Nevertheless, at your word, word, I'll let down the net. And so, and when they had done it, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net broke. And they beckoned to their partners, which were in the other ship. These are not bass boats. This is not a little, this is not a little wooden boat. These are ships because this is their business. These are big dog ships. These are big ships, and there was so much fish that what happened? It began to sink. But can you see, faith that does nothing is worth nothing. Peter had a choice. He heard something. Jesus told him to do something, and he did it. Now, he didn't do it maybe all the way, but I believe the Lord gave it to him anyway because it was his first rodeo. And, 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 and then what happened? But now I want you to see, let's look after Jesus was raised from the dead. Let's look at John 21, John 21. You all know what happened. Peter um, was upset. He was ashamed. He denied Jesus three times. He was such a leader. Remember what he said? I go a fishing. And they said, we all go a fishing with you. And so remember they're out there fishing. The Lord comes up. He is, uh, he is grilling some fish. In his glorified bone body, you get to eat. Hallelujah. I believe you get to eat and you don't have to work out anymore. Hallelujah. So you get to eat and he's grilled. Where did he get that fish? I don't know where he got that fish, but he was grilling some fish. And then he was honoring. Whether you think it or not, there is a little this. Have you caught anything? Now he's all God right now, again, and he knows they hadn't caught anything. But this is not their first rodeo. Now watch it. As you walk with God, watch this, John 21, 5. And Jesus said to them, children, have you any meat? <laughs> he knew they didn't. They answered no. And he said to them, Cash the the right cast the net on the right side. It's getting more specific with them. Cast the net on the you right side. How many know there's nothing on the left side? There's nothing in the front. There's nothing in the back. Is on the right side. Can the Lord get that specific with you? Yes. <laughs> the cast, therefore, now there was not able to draw it up for the multitude of fishes. But where was it? It was on the right side. Now, the, listen to me, y'all. The Lord is not a taskmaster. I feel it in the room. I just, I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it. If, if you love him, if, you're, if you are doing the word, he's not going to let you miss it. That thing, my, my testimony, he dealt with me for three months. That's not missing it. That, that gets beyond fear into a little bit of, I hate to say it, rebellion. Because I can't see it. I don't want to do it your way. Let's do it another way. Because I remember what he told me one time I was working uh, Monday through Thursday. I was the office manager slash secret, really secretary. It was just two employees, but I preferred office manager. Um, so I was, and he said, I want you to fast lunch. I know it's on. When the Lord asks me to fast, it's a big deal. I take it real serious. I ain't doing this in a long time. Hallelujah. I'm going to get what I, I'm, we're, we're, I'm in. I'm in quick, I'm in hard, and I am paying attention. When I'm on a fast, I don't, I don't showboat when it comes to fasting. I mean, if there's something going on, I'm going to fast. So I'm going to get her done. I'm going to hear. And so he told me to fast. And so he told me to come out. And he said, and I was praying in other tongues. And he said, this time next year, you'll be pastoring in another state. Pastoring. What up with that? I never wanted to be a pastor. In another state. So you know what I tried to do? we all do this. I'm trying to help you. I lived in Illinois. Did you know Indiana was another state? Because I could still live in Illinois and do something in Indiana because we're real close because that's where I went to college. I lived in Illinois and I went to college in Terre Haute, Indiana. And besides that, I haven't told this really publicly and now it's out and it's a lot of years later. My pastor, John and Michelle were uh, leaving to go to Germany and I knew the church was going to be open. And so I said, Lord, that would be good but that wasn't mine. And Alabama, now that's another state. (laughs) So, because the Lord loves me, I just could have went to Indiana anyway. There's other towns besides Terre Haute. There's Bloomington. There's Fort Wayne. There's South Bend, Indy. I loved Indy. I used to live there. i just go and start a church and put my hand to something and let the Lord bless it. It's a good idea because I did all the demographics. It's an up and coming. There's There's not many churches like what mine would be. So I'll just go plant it there and put my hand to it. The Lord will bless it. No, no, that's the kind of stuff that comes and goes. That's right. Amen. And in your life, what does that have to do with you? Even, even a job change, a house change. Um, if you're single, Lord, I got stories on that one. She's got better stories than me on that one, but I got stories too. You've heard this one. But I just tell you, the Lord will help you out. Just because she was cute. Come from a good church. First time I went out, the Lord said, she's not for you. Leave her alone. But she was cute. A lot of sleepless nights. A lot of wasted nights. She's a great person. But he knew that I had a Rhonda in my future. And not to mess around. Because it, 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 yay, it was not timeth yet. (laughs) How do you get those things? By obeying God. Doing what he says. Making decisions based on the leading of the Lord. Stay put. Well, I don't want to stay put. But God's high... Now, can you, can you get to some things? Is the Lord kind? Is He merciful? He is. But we're living in the last days. Let's take the shortcuts. What are the shortcuts? God's ways. Amen. Doing it, not a shortcut in a bad way. I mean, the, the, let's call not, not, not use shortcut, let's use direct route. Thank you, Lord. Direct route. Direct. <laughs> a lot of times, shortcuts turn into long cuts. Thank God for the GPS. It's on the right side. So it would be foolish to put the net down on the left side. Because there's no fish there. Well, it don't matter. This time it did matter. First time it didn't matter. This time it does matter. They're on the right side. They're on the right side. <laughs> Y'all good? Amen. Hallelujah. Matthew 17. I promised myself I was going to get you all out of here earlier. Okay, I'm going to go. Just a few more minutes. Hang on. Matthew 17. I'm not going to keep you much longer. Matthew 17. We'll do this one and we'll be done. Maybe. Matthew 17. 24. They were come to Capernaum. They that received tribute, taxes, came to Peter and said, do your master pay tribute? And he said, yes. When he's come into the house, Jesus prevented him saying, uh, what thinkest Simon uh, of whom do the kings of the earth take or tribute of their own children or strangers? Peter said to them of strangers, Jesus said, then are the children free? So in other words, we really don't have to pay no taxes, but you did this and, uh, you know, whatever. And it was a little bit of a mess, notwithstanding, because Jesus is like, we don't know this. We, we really don't know this, but notwithstanding that we should offend them. This is not even necessary. It's not legally necessary. But just because we don't want to offend them, go to the sea. Now, who is Peter? He's a fisherman. He catches fish for a living. How many believe he's caught a few? We already know before this, he's already caught a net breaking multitude. He has a business. He's got ships. He's got partners. He does this all the time. Uh, he said to him, go to the sea, cast a hook, and take up the fish that first comes up. And when you open his mouth, you're going to find a piece of money. Take that and give it to them for me and you. You got a fisherman who has got a lot of fish. And I doubt that he's ever found a coin in a fish's mouth before. The Lord gives him specific instructions. He didn't tell him to take a net, he didn't tell him to go get in his ship. He said, "Uh, Go get your pole. (laughs) I don't even know if he put bait on the hook. He just went. Come on, y'all want to live in the miraculous? People say to me, well, I just don't believe the, the Lord tells us that specific what to do. You believe wrong. Because you are his son and his daughter. If your steps are ordered of the Lord, then it's required of him to tell you. Or it would not be just. If he expects you to be at the brook Cherith, then it would be wrong of us, then, then he has to tell us, you are his sheep. You know, his voice. Now, if the Lord doesn't let me back up because I don't want anyone, because this is where teaching like this then gets people to start doing things just to do them. How many you know, we already discussed that doesn't work. Sometimes just like the Lord told Moses to speak to a rock, that's enough. Sometimes just speaking to your body is enough. But if the Lord tells you to stretch forth your hand, what you got to do? And as you're in faith speaking the word, when he gives you direction, maybe, well, I always like this because we have a church full and people come here. Uh, we have entrepreneurs among us. And not just one business, but multiple businesses sometimes. But you see, if you're getting ready to start a new business and the Holy Ghost deals with you to um, uh, write out a budget or write out a vision for that. And and that's what he gave you as an assignment to do. You, You sense you need to do that. But if you're just, I believe my God supplies all my need. I believe I have a witty invention, a nifty idea for a new new thing. Lord, I just believe you prepare a way. I believe you make a way. I believe even though this, I I just believe I'm a tither, I'm a giver. So make a way, make a way for me. But you see, that's all great and that's all fine. But if he told you what to do and you don't do it, that's where you're stuck. You see that? Make it real life to you. That's where you're stuck well, Lord, I just believe for another job. Well, even in the natural, if you're believing for another job, shouldn't you get a resume together? The only way you wouldn't do that is the Lord would say to you, stand still and see my salvation. I'm gonna send it to you, which is possible, but again, that's direction. And then sometimes if you go to do something, because maybe you're like me, I'm always a trying to help the Lord out. Are you? And sometimes he'll be like, don't do that. I didn't ask you to do that. Different things. Um, This building, when we were in the A-frame, oh, I gotta let you go. Um, The Lord, many, I think, I don't know what it was, a year, year and a half before, the Lord started having me take out a certain amount from the general fund. He gave me a certain amount that you take it out You put it in savings and don't touch it. That's what I did. But not only was it to have some money, it was the payment for this. It became the monthly payment for this building. So we were used to it for a year and a half. It was not a thing. Because that's how we learned to live as a church. You didn't know that, but I knew that. And my staff knew that at first it was hard. But I did what he said. About to do it again. About to do it again. Help me, Jesus. Hallelujah. (laughs) You got to do what he says. Do what he says. Do what he says. He just, so Peter's used to this by now. He gets his pole. Can you imagine this great fisherman who owns his own business with a pole in his hand and a hook? (laughs) He said it, and I believe it. (laughs) He said it, and I, just like Mary said, do whatever he says. Do whatever he says. Lord, this ain't going to work. Do what he said. Do what he said. I'm going to do what he said. I'm going to do what he said. Here I go. I'm going to do it. (laughs) I'm doing it. Throws it in. Pulls it up. Just like Jesus said. But if you don't think there was some fight in Peter to have to do that, he is just as normal as you and me. And he's been known to say a thing or two. (laughs) Right? Come on. If Peter can do it, you can do it. It seems that faith that does nothing is worth nothing. We hope you were inspired by today's message. If you want to hear more from the Word of God, head over to CWOL.org. Check us out on YouTube or any social platform under at CWL Madison. We believe God is working within you and we want you to know Him so you too can make Him known.